0: Amateur Hour. We'd like to call it your primer for college baseball, but we're not going to because we focus on two athletes. Now this show's going to get wide, and you're going to touch a lot of you know both sides of college baseball. But really, the, the goal is to to learn about these athletes, the the men that have brought themselves to this point. And and we found a theme on these. Last couple of shows where we're finding athletes that have taken a pretty good high school journey and turned it into something special. We've got one of those. We've got another one who's lived with massive expectations all through high school. Daddy played, was great in another country. So this is kind of a mix of our, you know, you're supposed to be good and our overachievers. Let's start with our overachiever because when you look at Trey Morgan, he's played himself, the LSU first baseman, into the number 24 spot in the draft three hundred. And by the way, I need to introduce who we are. The producer and the lead host of this podcast is Danny Wexelman, and I'm Darren, and thanks for hanging out with us. It doesn't happen without Danny producing it. But Trey goes from where he comes out of high school, which was a nice player. He played well at Jupiter. He did some good things. Wasn't really highly ranked. Uh, As a matter of fact, ranked, I don't know, what, 220? Is that right? Ranked about 220, somewhere in that. Now he's number 24 in the draft, 300. That means he gets picked by the Braves. That means the Braves are picking him. I loved our conversation, Danny. I love how much pride he takes in playing first base, such an overlooked position, typical, a free safety, a football player, free safety, who just gobbled everything up defensively. He does the same thing and he's a hell of a hitter too.
1: Trey Morgan. So the name speaks for itself. He is the third and he's proud of that. We, We, we learn a lot about his dad's influence, his mom's influence and The job that she has every day is one that we don't talk about a lot. We don't know a lot about. And I've never met anybody who has a job like that. And we know that it's influenced who he is as a person. But mom's always been there. Mom's been right by his side through the baseball journey. But it was dad when Trey was younger who saw him pick something up with his left hand and said, you're going to be a baseball player. And not only that, you're going to be a first baseman. And the work that they put in is meticulous is is at a level where if you want to be a pro baseball player that's what you have to do. When you are when you are a young young kid learning to play a position and putting that kind of time in, it's really wild to think about but it's gotten him to where he is because when you watch Trey play first base he is on a different planet. He plays that position differently. He watches his fielders differently. And the way he takes in information and then uses that for himself is something that we could all take a page out of. And I think that what he does for the college game is awesome. He's got a great personality. He's got his NIL deals, right? And and he's he's got his blonde hair and his chains, and he's proud of who he is. But I love this dude because I think we overlook first base all the time and he's made first base cool and I love that
0: he played in Jupiter his travel ball he played in the Worldwood Bat Association World Championship in 2019 for the Breakthrough Series team Chase Davis who's at Arizona who has been on this podcast who's you know a, a high draft pick Braden Montgomery who's at Stanford was on his team and Ian Mahler who plays for the Rangers organization now a great catcher that's a fun team so at that Jupiter event he had six hits. He had a 444 on base. At that same Jupiter event, 2019, Yohandi Morales played, and he had a 455 on base. So they were playing in the same event, playing travel ball, going to the, the greatest travel ball event. Now, Yohandi's a little bit different in a sense. He was a perfect game All-American, grand expectations, um, and so he's had to deal with that. His dad, Andy, played professionally in Cuba, was a heck of a player, and it's that father-son relationship where – uh, you know, dad was just tough on him in all the right ways, and he still shared in our conversation. When I talk to dad after games, he just lets me know what I did wrong, and that's it. And he and he pauses and he says, "And I wouldn't have it any other way." You know, that it's that kind of give and take between a father and a son, or a mother and a son. But in this case, he's speaking of his dad, and uh, going to the workouts with his dad. It's it's just it's just a really cool relationship. And and this is a guy Morales who has come out of that freshman All American, come out of that. Yeah that that 2020 weird covid draft and he's been really good. I mean really. He had a stretch last year for 2 weeks where he got on base 19 times in 30 at bats. He's going high in the draft as well.
1: The best is that, that you you bring that up and his goldfish mind, right? The flush it out quickly, good or bad. He's like, I don't even remember that. And so you broke it down a little bit, which which I loved. And it's cool when you get to go back to a kid who's a 2019 All-American – who goes to school? They had the shortened draft, and whether it was something he wanted to do or didn't get the opportunity to get drafted, whatever it was, he's on campus. He committed. He's loyal. He's at that program, and he likes to talk a lot about what that program has done for him and the people who have been there for him, like the inner circle people, day one people who are so important to the journey. And I look at him, and I, you know, we we do this on camera, even though it's also an audio podcast. It's not the same kid at all from 2019 he's grown as a person he talks about that he's grown weight wise added so much muscle and good kind of weight to himself he doesn't even look the same and it's just really cool to know that this kid went to college and he bettered himself in every aspect of his game and he he added to his draft stock and now the dude i mean you think of miami and you think of yo-yo morales how cool is that
0: yeah he's earned that he definitely has earned that at miami go Go deep diving and scouring through social media and you'll find a random picture of him and Mark Anthony. For all you kids out there wondering who Mark Anthony is, go look up Mark Anthony as well. So, so, so. Also, on this amazing podcast, we're going to take a little bit of Perfect Game College Baseball. It's our weekly streaming show from Perfect Game TV. Hunter Pence hosts that show. Uh, Brett Dolan, one of our great voices, stepped in and co-hosted it with Hunter Pence. So, you'll hear Hunter talk with Kirk Sarlos, and he'll talk TCU baseball. And so, we'll have a little bit of that. We'll also dip into the uh, the scouting notebooks of Vinny Servino, Brian Sigowski. One of the two that'll duel for who jumps onto this show, and, and they'll be really good because. What they'll talk about is college baseball, individual stars going into the season, and then teams we should look at. We're going to kind of sprinkle those previews over the next couple of podcasts. We're coming at you hard. We've got a bunch of great interviews that we're putting in the can. That's our show. Let's get it going, Amateur Hour. You found, a, I don't know, probably the best podcast in the world. <laughs> so I'm going to start this with Trey Morgan with numbers. Baseball is a stats thing. So the first number is 24. When I looked at the most recent PG draft, 300, he's 24th. That means if it's exactly right and 100% on, he gets picked by the Atlanta Braves. We know that's always not exactly right. You never know. Higher, and I'm sure right there on that first night. The other number is three. He's Trey. He's the third. So there's John Edward Morgan. He's the third. There's John Edward Morgan, uh, who is the second. And then, obviously, there's the OG. There's the original John Edward Morgan. Trey, give me your best description of the first two John Edward Morgans that came before you.
2: Uh, Well, my dad's dad, I don't have many memories of him. Like, there's some pictures of him holding me. He was a big guy, but um, I don't really remember talking to him or anything like that. Um, The person who really uh, got me where I am today is my dad, John Morgan Jr., uh, he's taught me everything I know from the game of life to the game of baseball, and I appreciate him uh, for that. It's actually his birthday today, so happy birthday to my dad. Uh, I gave him a little text, give him a little shout-out on here, but uh, yeah.
0: That's a good answer. That's that's a wonderful answer. Then there's that 24. Do you Do you ever pause, think about it, if only to celebrate hard work, and if only to celebrate... For just a moment that you're getting closer to some of your dreams, I'm guessing. But when you see what is nothing more than an internet page with a number on it, a name on a mock draft, but you're on it, what does that mean?
2: Um, I mean, of course, I look at it, it's there. It's there to see. I'd be lying if I said I didn't look at it. But I look at it more of uh, motivation. Um, it shows me that, yeah, it's been a long road. Yeah, I'm getting noticed finally the right reasons, of course, but the job's not done. Um, there's 23 more spots that, of course, every player wants to climb up, me included. So I look at that number and I see, like I said, the job's not done. There's more work to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those things that, that get you noticed, Trey, the glove, you know, if I could give you a nickname, I think I'd, I'd call you Vacuum and and what you do for your team is unbelievable and i know you and i talked last year at sec tournament and and had a conversation about how you got to that point because it's not that you're just a good first baseman like you're an incredible first baseman and the the picks that you make from your teammates i think sometimes people probably look at and wonder how you did it but you shared that all this started back when you were six years old is that right yeah six years old With your dad can you share what you and your dad worked on together starting so so long ago
2: right of course i mean i've been playing first base ever since i started playing baseball um and that was big because when you think about you know like your coach pitch tournaments and everything everybody's hitting ground balls but you got to throw the ball to first base to get the out sort of thing or they score a hundred runs a game sort of thing so that's why my dad felt like it was important to, um, for me to play first base because he said a little stat. I don't know how true this stat was, but it was 85% of the balls go to first base at some point in the game. So he said your first baseman should be the best fielder um, other than the shortstop on the field. So that's kind of how we taught it. That's how he taught it. That's how we worked on it. Um, I wasn't just going to play first base just because I was left-handed. Like, if I'm going to play first base, I'm going to be really good at it. Uh, I'm going to be a game changer at that position, and that's kind of the way we did it.
1: Yeah, and, and you shared that, you know, once you used your left hand, Dad said baseball. There we go. Kid's oh, gonna...
2: instant, instant. As soon as I pick something up, I don't know. I might have been right-handed, but we don't know because I picked something up with my left hand by accident one day, and I'm left-handed.
1: There's another guy too who's helped you, and, and that is someone who I think we could call a guru, and that's Ron Washington. And, and you've met him through various different platforms, the Breakthrough Series, which, you know, Darren and I love. I love that team. I love everything that Major League Baseball does to grow the game. To be able to work with Wash, what does that mean to you?
2: I mean, the drills and everything he taught me, I still use them to this day uh, before every practice game I get on my knees and do, do my little picks but um, I'd say one of the um, most important things that he told me that kind of stuck with me um, it, I wasn't really as good as I thought I was <laughs> at the whole fielding thing at first base and he's kind of like a straightforward guy and he told me how it was and uh, the way like we started doing drills and everything and dude, I was booting balls around and I was like what's going on? Like, he told me, he was like, I told you, like, you got some work to do sort of thing. And that kind of stuck with me. And uh, that's kind of why I still do those drills to this day to get better, to get to that level.
0: Love that. Defensively, what is one thing that you feel like you've conquered over the last couple of years that when you watch other first baseman play, and it's not that, Hey, I think I'm better than them, or I, you know, am a first baseman whisperer, but that being said, you, you, you watch and you think, I, I I'm above that. Like, I don't struggle with that. What's one of the biggest hurdles you've overcome that really you you feel like separates you defensively?
2: I'd say it's my range at first base. Like, when you come up and you're in a a right-handed hitter's up and you're in a right-handed shift, there's a big hole between the three, three, four hole. But when I'm there, when I'm, like, set up in that position, that hole, I feel like, non-existent. And then when you're in a left-handed shift, and uh lefty who go whose only job is to go up there and just pull the ball as hard as he can if he can hook it down the first baseline he gets a triple now it's a three unassisted sort of thing and that's really what i pride myself on like the hits that are considered easy hits or giveaway hits i don't i don't let those get by
3: me
0: it's such a beautiful position i called games in the big leagues with the gold glove first baseman you can see it you can see it at every level you get you know, the erratic, youthful third baseman that trusts you and you make him better. That's got to make you feel better that no matter who gets the opportunity this year, and you guys are pretty stacked, you kind of know who's there, but if there is someone that's younger that maybe helps out for a couple of games, midweek game, you're over there at first, that's got to make them feel better to know, I'll, I'll get it close, and close means it's an out, and that's got to mean a lot to you.
2: Definitely. I mean, and it's just building that relationship in practice. Most of it's not showing up to practice like oh it's another practice day sort of thing. It's like no, especially because we have new guys or we're trying to build confidence in other guys. Like I have to show up every day at practice and show them that no, like if you get the ball over here, if you have to dive and make a throw from your knees, you don't have to double clutch it. Like just let it go anywhere near the vicinity. I I got it
0: sort of thing. That's incredible. It's incredible. I wanna I wanna ask you one more to follow up. Um, you know, you, you had like everybody else, you were a COVID senior, so you had, uh, no matter what happened in New Orleans and in Louisiana, you lost something, part of something, um, and, and and your first, you know, 14 games in college, you know, not at a tiny little school that doesn't play anyone, your first 14 games in college, At LSU, you got on base 30 times. I'm not even counting the hit batsmen, so which you get hit all the time last couple of years. So your first 14 games, dude, first 14 games, you're on 30 times. That's not supposed to happen. Why did that happen?
2: It's, I mean, it's just how I was raised to hit. Um, The most important thing is, one, to move the offense, but you can't move the offense without getting the first base. And that's how I was taught. That's how my dad taught it. No matter what the count is, who's pitching, what the situation is, to start a rally or uh, to help the team, you get the first base. Like No matter what, and that's kind of how I take it to this day. That's how I hit. I've made some changes a little bit, but that's the basis. If anybody asks me what my plan is or approach at the plate, it's hit a ball hard and get the first base.
1: You mentioned, you know, maybe some of those new faces. We saw what Coach Johnson did, dipping in that portal and and bringing in a lot of cool guys over to your team. And and so now that means that you're also, you're building that chemistry with them. We don't often trade really even talk about what goes on with your team a ton on on these podcasts almost ever, but I do feel like it's such a unique situation. And because your position is so unique that you have to, to build those bonds and and learn the tendencies of your teammates, maybe better than anybody. So how, how has that been adjusting to new faces and, and so many new players on the team?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's important. to uh, Every practice day is important, the way we walk in. Um, that's really where you learn what people like to do. Because if we're taking, like, a little I.O. or taking some ground balls, even if they don't say it, you can, like, kind of watch how they move around and where they feel more comfortable kind of letting it eat or where they kind of clutch it a little bit. And then you talk about it. Like, it, the best way to communicate is using your words, you know? Like, I talk to – me. I talked to Jordan, I'm like, where, or I say, I noticed something, and I'm like, is that, like, true? Like, are we on the same page? And we have that relationship where it's nothing personal when you point out a weakness that you noticed or something like that. It's really a conversation, and then you build off it, and that's how you get better as a defense. Where we are, where we're at defensively right now, I'm very confident moving into the season, the way we're flowing, the way everything's going it should be a completely new defense than what we saw last year.
1: Well, yeah, you guys got that number one target. So I, I have to ask, you know, what are those conversations like in in regards to where people see your team and where they expect your team to go? What, what does Coach Johnson say about that sort of accolade?
2: Uh, the biggest thing is we're not going to shy away from it. Um, we're not going to. He's not going to walk into a meeting and say, uh, guys, nobody thinks we're going to make it to Omaha or anything like that to try to fire us up. Like, no, he's not going to sit up there and lie to us. Um, We're not going to shy away from being the number one team, but we're going to work like we're the number two team. We're going to show up every day. Every practice is the most important practice. Every day is a day to get that 1% better. And if we continue to do that, um, then that number one, hopefully, Hold strong.
0: Tell me about your mom, Shalita. Did I say her name properly? Yes. Tell me everything uh, you want to tell me about her.
2: Yeah, she's kind of the um, one I lean on a little bit when my dad was rough on me uh, uh, during like the workouts or everything like that. I have a little story for you. Um, actually, one time when... I can't remember how old I was, but I just wasn't feeling it that day. Like I wasn't feeling... Going to the field, my dad got home from work and he was like, get dressed, the same routine. And I just started crying. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to do it. And my dad said, "Um, uh, mom said she'll come with us if you get dressed and like, let's go. And that got me going. I was like, okay, let's go. Like I got dressed, got everything, got in the car. I get in the car, I'm like, where's mom? Uh, He's like, oh, she has to handle a couple more things but then she'll meet us there get to the field dude. we get through the whole workout. Mom didn't show up, but that's kinda that shows that she was kinda like my cushion, you know, I could lay back on my mom when I wasn't feeling it. And she'd always boost me up. Now, she'll tell me some things like that I don't want to hear from uh my dad does the same thing also. Like we have that relationship to have those conversations. But it's more of when I talk to her, she'll she'll hype me up a little bit.
0: That's an awesome story, That's man. So I, lo- I love yeah. us parents. I love us parents and our and our loving deception. That comes from a place of love. It really, it's not lying. It's loving deception. That's right, exactly right, what right. it is. Hey, and she's a probation officer. Did I read that correctly? She
2: is, yes, sir.
0: Expound just a bit. That's a very unique job. It takes a strong woman to have a job like that.
2: Definitely. And um, when you think about that, you think she's kind of like the stern little voice at home, but she wasn't. She is like the one who really tells me uh, using her words, mostly how life is. Like she deals with people who really made the wrong decisions for whatever reason, they made the wrong decisions, And she uses that as examples for me to not make those same mistakes or to learn what, if I'm ever put in a situation like that, what I could do to avoid getting to that
0: point. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. Hey, real quick, if if I need a good attorney, do you have anyone you could recommend? <laughs>
2: uh, it depends on what you're looking for. I got a guy. I got a guy. His name's Gordon. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good at what he does. Um, he's got a cool jingle, too. I'm thinking about using it as my walk-up song, uh, get, Gord, get It Done. Uh, but yeah, that's my guy.
0: It's awesome. I love the world of NIL. I love getting you guys. It's fun. And, 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 and you know what? For all of us college baseball players a generation ago that couldn't even have a job in the library, couldn't even do anything, I'm, I'm thrilled that NIL exists, man, that you go out and earn. I'm glad, I'm glad you knew exactly what I was talking about. That's all oh, I have as to
2: soon As soon as I heard attorney, I was like, yeah. By the way, it's,
0: it's Gordon McKernan. We want to give him love on this podcast. If he's going to partner right. with you, we need to say Gordon's entire name. Gordon McKernan. Go find him online. He's recovered a lot of money for his clients. Accidents, things that haven't gone their way. Gordon, look him up.
2: Definitely. Hey, great guy. Too. Great guy.
1: Wait, are you going to come out with, with some merch? Because Darren will buy your merch.
2: Oh, I actually do have some Stretch Man merch. I don't have any merch with Gordon yet. Uh, we're gonna—we actually need to get on that, get some, get some of that done. But I have—it's um, in my bio on Instagram. It's called Stretch Man. Stretch Man. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, yeah it's like—that's
1: so good. It's a,
2: it's a cool little—it's me on a little emblem. I wish I was wearing it right now. It's so cool, but it has me doing a little stretch logo. Everything like that, yeah. It's um, on the website, five hundred level, uh, in my bio.
1: Is that what people call you? Do I'm, they call I'm, you Stretchman? I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll let I'll let Danny talk. I'm looking it up right yeah, now. Yeah, he's looking. Like, wait,
1: do they oh, call yeah, you? Yeah,
2: that's Danny? my that's my nickname. Yeah, they call oh, me Stretchman. <laughs> dude,
1: that's so good. That's it makes me think of the Impossible's um, and their the suits that they wear and how they stretch out and they can go everywhere right. and grab everything. Oh, that's so right, great. Right. I wanted to ask a little bit because I I think you and I have also talked about uh your hair, about your style, about who you are as a person and you've got some extra flavor too, right? You've got that New Orleans flavor in you. Do you or have you seen the game change more into a way that allows and embraces personalities to shine in college baseball?
2: Yeah, definitely. And when you look around uh, it helps with the whole NIL opportunity because that kind of gives you an insight on our lives, like outside of the sports we play. Cause a lot of our fans kind of just see us playing football, baseball, basketball. I think that's our life. Like, no, like we, we do normal stuff, you know, and you see that by kind of like the brands you join. But um, I feel like another important part is people who aren't scared to be themselves on like, their platform, like on their football field or baseball field. And that kind of definitely helps grow the game. Like when you see um, somebody playing first base with blonde hair, it's kind of like, wait, that's not that's not like a normal thing. And I saw this one kid dress up as me for Halloween. It was awesome. It was on Twitter. It was awesome. He had a block, uh, some blonde hair, you know, coming out the back of his hat, my jersey on hat. The whole get up i was like that means that i'm doing something right and i mean i love that it was awesome to see.
1: oh my god dude that's that's freaking awesome i'm so happy for you and um i don't have any more darren but i i'm just i'm glad that you exist in this space and that you take up space here we found we found it that's it that's it
0: <laughs> very good very oh my good gosh. i love it <laughs> And he has the soft, like the soft cotton tees. Oh, he's going to be buying. Not not just the the crew boxy cotton tees. It's more like (laughs) the one he's wearing right now. So I'm getting one. I'm getting one. Perfect.
1: Thank you, Trey. Of course. Thank you all. This is awesome.
0: Opening up the Scouts Notebooks, it's, it's our favorite thing to do, and obviously it's a hard drive. It's usually not a physical notebook, but you never know. Vinny Servino is a wonderful scout and really sees the college game as our leader with Perfect Game and you know is on first-name basis with so many of the high-level coaches at all levels. And Vinny talks about the elite players and programs in college baseball, his Scouts' Eye segment, as he opens up that digital notebook.
4: Here to get you excited about some college baseball, it will be starting here in the middle of February. Uh, looking at the preseason top 10, there are six SEC teams. So the SEC is certainly going to be a storyline heading throughout the year as it normally is, the college baseball powerhouse. LSU is the number one team in the country, the near unanimous number one team in the country. They have a loaded and talented roster filled with both impact players that they returned from last year's team and a couple of new additions as well. They got two of the best players in the transfer portal. Paul Skeens, formerly of Air Force, and Tommy White, formerly of NC State. Tommy White was the freshman of the year last year, slugging 27 homers for NC State. And Skeens, a two-way player, who can run his fastball into the upper 90s and also hit balls about 110 miles an hour off the bat. So he could be a double threat for them. A couple more other interesting additions that LSU made is adding Christian Little from Vanderbilt and Thatcher Hurd from UCLA. Two of the better, more well-regarded arms in the country – Uh, Both were very big high school recruits. Uh, And obviously the leader of this LSU team is going to be guys like Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan, who have been there for a couple of years. Cruz is a potential number one overall pick. Morgan, probably the best defensive first baseman in college baseball. So LSU is certainly loaded and looking for a very good 2023. Number two is Tennessee, who was the number one team in the country last year for basically most of the season. Uh, Could not get it done in the Super Regionals where they lost, but they returned the entirety of their starting rotation, led by Chase Dolander, another potential number one overall pick. Dolander has been compared favorably to guys with last names like Cole and Strasburg throughout this scouting cycle. Uh, He's a super talented right-handed pitcher, runs the fastball up to 99-100, has four pitches, uh, really dominates, and is the reigning SEC Pitcher of the Year. Chase Burns and Drew Beam will also be in the rotation as they were last year. Drew Beam was the SEC freshman of the year a year ago, who had a slightly lower ERA than his teammate Chase Burns, both of which showed maturity beyond their years in their first season starting in the SEC and should be able to pile on to that and add another very good season. Tennessee also hit the transfer portal. They they bring in Maui Ahuna, one of the best shortstops in the country from Kansas. Uh, He'll slot in and play every day. He's a really, really good defender there at short. They also added Griffin Merritt from Cincinnati, the reigning AAC player of the year, and Zane Denton from Alabama. That, coupled with a number of their young guys jumping into starting roles this season, like Blake Burke and Christian Moore and Kyle Booker, this Tennessee team certainly has the look of an Omaha club. The other SEC teams in the top ten are Arkansas at number four, the defending champion Ole Miss Rebels at number six, Florida at number eight, and Texas A&M at number ten. There are eight teams total from the SEC in the top 25, with Vandy coming in at 11 and Auburn coming in at 17. So it certainly looks like another good year in the Southeastern Conference. ACC-wise, the top-ranked team in the country is Wake Forest at number five overall. This is certainly the most talented team Wake Forest has had in some time. Third baseman Brock Wilkin was a Cape Cod League superstar two years ago. And he returns after another Cape Cod League summer as one of the better power hitting third basemen in the country. It's very, very big juice, he can go out to all parts of the field, and his exit velocity is near the top of the scale. Nick Kurtz is another big part of this offense for Wake Forest. He hit 330 with 16 homers last year as a true freshman. More walks and strikeouts, really controls the zone. Similarly, it's Trey Morgan, another very good defender at first base. The leader of this team, though, is probably pitcher Rhett Lauder, who will be going on Friday nights as the reigning ACC pitcher of the year. Lauder is thought to be a slam dunk first round pick. He's got a 92-97 to mile-an-hour fastball, four pitches, tons of strikes, fills up the zones, and competes. He had a very successful summer with Team USA and looks to be the prohibitive favorite for the ACC Pitcher of the Year this year. Going around to some of the other conferences, Maryland is the lone team from the Big Ten to make the top 25, though Rutgers was strongly considered. Maryland has Matt Shaw as the best hitter on the team and was the MVP of the Cape Cod League this summer for the Bourne Braves is a likely first-round pick who can really hit and probably fit somewhere from shortstop to second base to third base as far as his professional future goes. Looking across the country, Stanford is the top-ranked team in the Pac-12 at number three overall. Stanford returns a lot of pieces from a super regional team last year, Quinn Matthews being arguably the most supported, turned down the draft to come back for his senior season at Stanford. He'll likely be in the starting rotation with, along with a number of other Impressive pitchers, such as closer Ryan Bruno, who can run the fastball into the upper 90s. Braden Montgomery is one of the most exciting two-way players in the country. He's got a chance to really break out and become a true college baseball superstar after winning Pac-12 Freshman of the Year last year. There's a lot of good pieces on the Stanford team, such as Tommy Troy, true freshman Malcolm Moore. It's a very talented talented and veteran ball club. The other Power Five conference is the Big 12, and their top-ranked team is TCU at number 14. TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State and Texas were all ranked in the top 25. Texas was the prohibited favorite last year and made Omaha again with along the uh, along the lines of the Golden Spikes campaign for Ivan Melendez. They'll have a lot of pieces to replace, so it looks like TCU, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State are in the driver's seat, but don't count on the Longhorns. One mid-major team made the top 25 and that is Southern Miss from conference from excuse me from the Sunbelt Southern Miss is a super talented team as well, and they will have one of the best Friday night starters in the country on their roster, and that is Tanner Hall. Hall is an 88-93 right-handed pitcher. Very, very good command, plus-plus command, a plus changeup, pounds the strike zone and competes. He's another one who had a very good summer with Team USA this year. And just missing the top 25 is a bevy of other schools such as Georgia, East Carolina, Texas State, Campbell, and Rutgers for our 26-30. Georgia is another very good and experienced SEC team. They have older players who should be very good. ECU, much like Southern Miss, has been a mainstay as far as mid-major programs go, and they could probably compete in any of the Power 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 5 conferences if they chose to. Texas State is at 28, and Texas State is coming off a very, very good season where they were the number two seed in the Stanford Regional. They have two of the best pitchers in the Sun Belt and Zeke Wood and Levi Wells, so they should definitely compete. Campbell has become a mainstay in the Big South and they will have a potential first-round pick going on Friday nights for them in Cade Kuehler. Rutgers was the biggest snub of the college baseball selection show last year, arguably them or NC State, but Rutgers did not get to go to the big dance despite having a resurgent season and we expect them to have an even better season in 2023.
1: I'm excited because anytime we get To catch up with somebody that we spent a lot of time with when they were in high school, who's now excelled and also really just topped the charts as far as college baseball goes and get to kind of come full circle I I'm always excited Johanny so we catch up today and you you have like I said you've come so far and I want to go back a little bit because you were the 2020 draft and and Darren and I talk about this a lot and what it means to have grown up during that time but that was a really pivotal point for you and and you are a loyal guy you you honored your commitment to go to Miami. And so I want to know, going back, you you are all American. What's life been like the past couple of years being at Miami and and playing for that program?
3: I mean, obviously the 2020 was the COVID year. So it was a shortened, the shortened year, shortened draft and everything. And we just obviously came together with my family and we just thought the best decision was to come to Miami. And throughout these past three years, I feel like I've matured not only as a player, but as a person as well, just, being here the past three years with older players and growing up in this program, it just felt like home.
1: Yeah, what well, What do you think you would tell yourself if you could? If you could go back and say, hey, in a couple of years, you're going to maybe gain some weight, some good weight. You're going to be a star third baseman. You're going to be fighting for Omaha. Like, what would you say to yourself, maybe, to tell yourself, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine?
3: That I made the right decision coming here to Miami. I, obviously, I weighed in 185 coming in. I was getting. Honestly, i just grown as a person and as a player throughout these past three years, and it's been an incredible experience.
1: Yeah, real quick, who who are some of those people? Because you've got great support around you. I know your family, your dad, especially yeah. Dad Andy, uh, coaching staff as well. And you're at home, which is cool, right? So you, you get to see your family more. But I who mean, are the yeah, people? Yeah, who are those amazing.
3: people? I mean, not only my family, everybody in my family gets, all, gets to come out here and watch me play baseball, but... The coaching staff and the players, it's been a family ever since I got here, and everybody just welcomed me in here.
0: C- can you describe your family's journey um, long before you were a big, strong man from Cuba, from your perspective, from what you know? I mean,
3: I was born here in Miami. Me and my—I have a younger sister. We were both born here, but everybody else is obviously Cuban. My dad, I don't know, 2000, 1999, around there is when he came. He had, he had came here to obviously give me and my family a better life. Here in the United States, and I'm thankful for
0: everything that he had to go
3: through and what he did for my family.
0: A lot of sacrifices. It was before you, but your 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 older brother was just a baby, right, when that occurred? Uh yeah. I don't know how old, I think he was I'll be lying to you if I told you how old he was when he got here. Got it, got it. But 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 the sacrifices.
3: Yeah,
0: and for your dad, your dad was a pretty established baseball player too, so there had to be changes there. Uh, tell us a little bit about dad's baseball career, the stories you've heard. And sometimes it's better to hear from others. I've My dad's yeah. in the Hall of Fame, so it's easy to read about him. But still, mm. my favorite stories about my dad's career are from others. Yeah. What have you heard about your dad's career, especially from others? I mean,
3: everybody that I meet that's Cuban always tells me, oh, that was the, the best player over there on the Cuban national team. You don't know how good that was. But like me, I'm a son. I hated practicing with him. I didn't really listen to him as much when I was growing up. I've always wanted to be coached by somebody else. that wasn't him, but everybody tells me, "Oh, he's way better than you ever are." This and that. And it's just it's funny listening to that from other people and uh, how great he was as a baseball player.
0: That's awesome. Real quick, Danny, I want to unpack that just a little bit. The when I was younger, yeah. I couldn't stand practicing with him. Please tell me a story. I'd love to know because <laughs> I'm sure you're glad that you did now. But be the younger kid back then. Th- those are great stories. They're they're rough rough
3: practices. You're anything bad, I mean, he'll he'll hit fungos at me. You know, he'll. I'm there, I'm crying, running around, trying not to get hit by the ball. He's hitting fungos right at me. Like, not ground balls, like fungos just at me. And I'm there ducking, I'm there ducking, trying not to get hit. You know, rough practices, rough practices.
1: Yeah, what happens now with dad?
3: I mean, he just comes out here and supports me. Doesn't tell me anything good that I do, only the bad that I do when he's watching. He's always on me, and I'm thankful for that. He always looks out for me and wants the best for me. But right now, I'm just—I have a great coaching staff here, and I listen and try to learn everything that they teach me.
1: Yeah, I love that. And and what about the rest of your family? Introduce us to them because it takes an army.
3: And my mom, to be honest, my mom was the one that got me into baseball, and my dad. She was the one that, when I was younger, took me to the baseball field and wanted me to start playing baseball. So it was my mom. I'm thankful for her everything she did for me and growing up. She's helped me a lot.
1: And how about now? How, how does mom still support today? Because it sounds like we hear a lot, you know, parents who yeah. want to be an extra coach sometimes or, or you know, they, they still don't know how to let go. It yeah. sounds like dad, dad's dad been able to do that, and that's a yeah. great working relationship. What about my mom? mom just
3: sits in, the, sits in the stands and cheers for me whenever I do good, and she always gets my dad off my back telling him not to, not, not to worry about it, not to talk to him about it.
0: Where do you feel like? Where, where do you feel like, Yo-Yo, your your swing has grown the most in the last year? I mean, we all learn, we all evolve, and you can be for our listeners. You're going to have some mechanical people that will understand what you're talking yeah. about because they dig this game. So, be mechanical if you don't mind, and tell me where your swing has evolved and grown.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm be honest, with you. I never really get too mechanical and worry about my swing too much. I just feel like I've grown in more discipline and play like plate discipline. Seeing the pitchers, laying off of pitches, and just being more um, observant—I guess you say—with pitches, not swinging out of the zone as much, stuff like that. Not really anything with my swing. I feel like I haven't changed my swing at all.
0: So it's so, so the concept of pitch recognition and patience—is there a way to practice that, or does that actually just come with experience? Is there a way to kind of practice what you're talking about? Both, both. Yeah, we
3: we do pitch recognition a lot, actually. In the cages off the machine different like tennis balls different colors and stuff like that we train our eyes almost all the time here so there's obviously a lot of ways you could practice doing that and obviously playing three years here and growing up obviously matured in that
0: so so you had a time last year it was may 1st to may 14th last season if you're going to take yourself back get your mind in that place And you guys played Georgia Tech, North Dakota State, Central Florida, and Florida State, like right there in May. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you do. You were eighteen for thirty. You were eighteen for thirty during that stretch. I've never seen more four and three hit games clumped together in one one week span. It it was kind of laughable when you look at all the games that went together. What's it like to be in a tree like that? Describe the mind. Describe what it goes like, because I know you're hitters, you're odd, you're weird, you don't want to describe what you're doing. I get it. I understand yeah. that. But what's the mind like when you're thinking that kind of confidence? What does that kind of confidence feel like Which when you did?
3: It's honestly happened before. I was in a span, obviously, that I was – I wouldn't say a slump because that's all sure. on the mental side. But you just feel like you're seeing the ball better. And just going in there that you know you can help your team win. That's the main part. Just going in there, doing whatever you can to help your team win is the main the main reason, you know. I mean, yeah, I didn't even know I was 18 for 30 until you told me that. I don't really look at the stats in are in the past. I just play and keep playing as I go and try to win games.
0: Yeah, well... I I didn't know that. So then, then, and yes, it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous run. I would have hated (laughs) pitching against you right then. I would have made up new arm angles and new things to try if if I were dealing with you. So here's the better question then. Here's the better question now that I listen to your honesty. How do you get out... How do you flush your mind after an 0-for-5 where you're, where you're a little of pissed off, to use a simple word? How do you, in the evening time, how do you flush your mind to, to turn the page? How do you turn the page? I mean, if we win the game, that I'm already fine with that, just winning,
3: to be honest. But, you know, just going into the locker room and just talking to your teammates and saying, oh, great game games, today. don't worry, we got your back, we picked you up today, we know you got it tomorrow, just the support of your teammates just helps a lot.
1: Why do you think college will be the difference maker for you? I I, I love that you went, I, I love college baseball, I love mm-hmm. your program, but why is it the difference maker for you once you do get drafted and have a great long big league career?
3: I mean, it's just, it's helped me a lot, things that I didn't know in the past and just growing as a person and as a baseball player here, I've learned, I mean like our motto here is get 1% better every day and I feel like coming here, I've learned a lot of bunch of new things that I didn't know when I was younger. Could you
1: share some of those? Any that pop into your mind off off the top of your head?
3: I mean, like I said before, the play discipline in third base, my angles in third base, because I was a shortstop when I was in high school. And my first couple games were terrible at third base. But with working with Coach Brew and Dom has helped me out a lot with that as well. And just a bunch of things. That's bunning, base running, just everything we do, we want to get better at every day, and I feel like I've matured as a player throughout three years here.
1: What are, you, what are your hopes for yourself this coming season and, and your team? You obviously want to go to Omaha. We know that. We know it's been yeah. a while.
3: Yeah, that's of the goal course, Of
1: course, but there have to be, I would guess, some smaller goals or some 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 goals that are gonna you're going to be able to hit sooner yeah. than Omaha. What are those?
3: I mean... My goal is actually, you know, to hit well and do what I can to help the team. And but... what does
1: hit well mean? Tell me a little bit because I because I, 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 know you are such a smart, intelligent person. Yeah. Like your baseball IQ is so good. Like tell us what hit well means for someone like you.
3: Hit well for me is not only getting hits, home runs, this and that. It's doing the little things. If it's moving the runner over, getting a run in, RBIs, bringing a run in. Whatever I can do to help the team win is if it's a ground ball right field, move the runner over. Just whatever I can do to help the team win is the most important part. And our goal is not making it to Omaha; It's winning Omaha.
0: Okay. Appreciate that. All right. Fair enough. I love that. Hey, well, why? Why at some point do I see Mark Anthony in your social media? Can you explain that to me? Uh, I was at
3: one point. It was like an advisor thing.
0: Very cool. Can but... you dance <laughs> as well as Mark dances, or no? no do you have not. that kind of game? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah that's okay yeah well if you can pick it at third you can dance a little bit for your (laughs) life uh, if you can pick it at third (laughs) and 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 a really good authentic look i can go to danny city in new york city and i go to cuban restaurants when i go all the time and i go to miami and i go to authentic cuban restaurants but that's not someone's home um please describe to me your favorite cuban meal as prepared by family members specifically your mom what goes into it tell me No, she, tell me she, no the, the my, mom, my mom's not that
3: good. She's not like my, my grandparents. My grandparents are the best at cooking. <laughs> I mean, it's rice beans, plantains, and ubite, which is a
0: steak. Amazing. Oh, yeah. The best. Yeah, I go simple. I go ropa vieja, simple. Oh, yeah. Um, you get a lot
3: of that too, ropa vieja. Yeah.
0: It sounds so much better when you say it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd never know that I have this beautiful Chilean wife who speaks amazing Spanish. You'd never know it by looking at this, right? <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for saying "ropa vieja." Much better than I just said it. Probably, yeah. I really appreciate it. I got.
1: I'm I've just de- got one more. Um, your your Cuban heritage, your your background. Yeah. What makes you you? What makes you proud? To have that running through you.
3: I mean. Just being not from here, I'll say, I I see myself as an American. I was born here in the United States. But to other people, just the Cuban side is, like, probably my dad's side and everybody. But when people ask me, yeah, I say I'm Cuban, but I see myself as Mm -hmm. an American.
1: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Great.
3: Yo-yo. but don't get me wrong I, I love the yeah no I, I'm always Spanish. my parents don't know any English I'm always yeah, speaking Spanish
1: yeah no I I mean yeah we definitely know you are American but you've, you've got that rich history especially on the yeah. baseball side especially from your dad but... well, baseball
3: for sure yeah I got everything from my dad yeah <laughs>
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yo-Yo, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, dude.
3: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: It's Perfect Game College Baseball. It's every single week. A brand new streaming show focuses on college baseball. Uh, An interview show, certainly, but as we get into the college season, I want to make everyone aware of this. Vinny Servino or one of his colleagues that covers college baseball will join us every single week because we're in season. We want to know the most important stories in college baseball. But we're going to have great guests. And just like this week with co-host Hunter Pence, who hosted with Brett Dolan, who stepped in for me this week, they talked to Kirk Sarlos, the head coach of TCU – Huge expectations there. One of the great pitching coaches in the game at any level, and one of the great head coaches as well. Here's Hunter and Kirk, the Big
5: Twelve Coach of the Year. Congratulations on your first year, but you've you, you've been grinding this for a long time. You've had tremendous amount of success in the pitching department, and, and I love to learn about this from someone with your you know your resume. Uh, this is a question I've wanted to ask for for a long time, uh, but but I've never really had someone with your kind of like what, your journey, like. Describe, because we've talked pitching philosophy, and we and I want to get to that on you, but can you talk a little bit about preparing as a starting pitcher versus preparing as a relief pitcher? Because you did both, and you did both really well for a long time.
6: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, well, you know, a lot of that we're dealing with right now with some of our young guys because all the high school kids were all starting pitchers, and now, you know, some of their roles are going to be coming out of the bullpen. So how do you get your body loose? How do you get your mind ready when you don't know exactly when you're coming in? Um, most of those times, those guys take longer to get ready. Can they get ready quicker? So, um, I think the guys that the more athletic they are, obviously the easier it is for them to transition down there. A lot of times you get those big, you know, those bigger, slower moving, maybe not as athletic guys that all of a sudden they're in the bullpen. It's like, wow, uh, we got to figure something out for these guys. Cause all they've been known is, okay, I'm going to take an hour to get ready. I'm going to start. Well, now it's like, you're in the bullpen. It's like, buddy, we don't got an hour. Like you maybe have five minutes, you know, so that's a lot of fun. But really, it's the mentality portion of it. As soon as you get the physical routine down, it's the mental aspect of it. Okay, as a starting pitcher, you know, usually you have, you know, six here in, in college baseball, you have, you know, six days between starts. So it's a slow build to it with a set routine. Um, out of the bullpen, you know, it's a mentality of, okay, what's my role and when do I get mentally locked in? If you're a closer, I don't need you mentally locked in in the third inning. You know, let's get your body prepared. Let's get out there in the fifth and and let's start getting in our routine then. But if you're, a, a you know, a, a long reliever, we might need to watch the game and be locked in early in the game because that's your role. So that's the big thing is trying to t- tell these guys the difference between mental and physical in terms of how to get ready.
5: I've always thought that this is like something that most casual fans, you know, don't really understand. Is like, especially like relief pitchers. It's like, I'm chilling. I'm talking with my guys. I'm hanging. I'm in the game. Like that's a mental thing, and like you gotta prep your body as an athlete. And I'm sure a lot of these guys that are used to having a whole week to prep for their start, they they set their diets, they set their sleep time. So uh, it is a whole new ballgame. Thanks for sharing that. And then I just got to get a little bit to kind of let's get like. Culturally, philosophize the pitching. uh, In your eyes, like what are some keys to success as a pitching staff and as a pitcher in the college level?
6: Well, I think there's a lot of ways to get good hitters out. You know, like yourself, it was. You know, you either have to have really good stuff. There's for me, it's five or six things. You You either have to have just overpowering stuff. You need to have some deception. You need to be able to change speeds. You need to have to be able to locate and have some movement. So. If you start checking off a lot of those boxes, you're gonna be really successful. And at the college level, you're dealing with guys that maybe don't have pure stuff, but they have some of the other things, movement, deception, and changing speeds. I think ultimately it comes down to, can I command my fastball to both halves of the plate? And then can I throw a secondary pitch um, in the strike zone in the hitters count? And then do I have a pitch that I can put somebody away with? You know, I think if you don't have a put away pitch, well then at bats, Hitters like hitters aren't scared. They're like, okay, I'll, I'll wait you out because you're not going to be able to put me away with two strikes anyway, you know. So, or if you're you know a one pitch guy, you're not going to be pitching long, as we all know. So, really, it's make it pretty simple, you know. Repeat your delivery and do one of those, you know, five or six things, and the more boxes you can check, the better you're going to be.
0: John Edward Morgan III. Trey. I mean, there was so much more to him than that, and and you teased mom's job as a probation officer uh coming on the air and i i i I love the fact of, of dad and the tough workouts very different than johandy's dad and the tough workouts i love the story how dad said yeah mom's coming she'll she'll be coming to the workout she'll be there in just a minute son and then the whole workout ends and it's no mom i mean if that is an a plus parenting the second junior the second you nailed it i was so proud to be a parent when i heard that like that is the ultimate in parenting right there, and I love that he remembers that story so vividly. But I love, you know, my uncle spent his entire career, which is different than a probation officer, but he spent his entire career in the Department of Corrections. And I learned so much and gained some empathy, too, to both sides, whether you're in there not by choice or whether you're someone who's working and getting paid to work there. um, A lot of understanding through my uncle, who spent his life working in the Department of Corrections. So it's a tough job, as mom has. Um, I love that get. I I, I love Trey. Like, really, I am going to order some of his gear, gutsy enough you know, you have all, 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 these, you know, jump man, and all the different ways you can say, man, he's stretch man, and I love it. I love that.
1: When he was telling that story, immediately in my mind, I knew you were going to love it, but I wasn't expecting it to end with mom not coming. I, I thought for sure mom. Was I was. Be
0: there. I was.
1: You knew. You knew. Yeah. And,
0: and you know what him... mom was getting to do? You know what mom is getting to do? And I, I don't know what her drink of choice is, so I'm just gonna fill it, fill in the blank. She probably worked a very hard day. She probably was in a quiet house with a cold beer. And that was (laughs) a wonderful gift from her husband. What a wonderful (laughs) gift, right? So I love that story for a variety of reasons. A variety of reasons.
1: And I actually think, too, it tells you a lot about Trey, about his family, about his work ethic, too. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go. And and Dad was like, we're going. Mom's coming. And and that's the relationship that they have. And, And I think that... The work that this guy's put in is the work you have to put in if you want to be a pro. And what's kind of cool, too, is what we don't normally do on these podcasts is talk about the team. I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but we rarely talk about where your team is ranked, who's on your team, who the coach of your team is. We rarely do that. But this LSU team is ranked number one. They have the target on their back this season. You know, Jay Johnson welcomes that, but the transfer portal, Tommy White, you have Dylan Cruz, the potential player of the year. You got all these, these parts of a recipe that could lead to one of the best teams that we ever see, even if they don't getting to talk to Trey about it and and learn a little bit about how he's learning about his team. It's just really cool. He, He, he's a great voice for the game. And I, I'm so glad that we got him on.
0: Yeah, he was a good get, a real good get. I'm excited to watch and Johanny. We've known Yo-Yo, you know, since his days uh, as a travel ball player. I I think, and and please don't take this as anything more than just face value, folks. I know we live in a world where everything can be peeled back and interpreted. It's just this. He's incredibly proud of his Cuban heritage, and I think those of us that were born in the United States are always intrigued. And if you're curious and and talk to young athletes, we want to know about your heritage. We want to know how that touches your life. But I love the fact that he's proud of where he lives now. I love the fact that he knows that his family sacrificed a ton. So he's also very proud of his Cuban heritage as a United States citizen. And, you know, as someone who is in America and he's able to enjoy this game of baseball, go to Miami, uh, where his culture is very strong, by the way. But uh, it's a nice combination. I think we always want to take athletes to their homes and to their home countries and, and, and live with the stories from there. But I think it's it's like any other athletes, whether you come from Panama or whether you come from Puerto Rico or whether you come from Venezuela to play, there's also the part of it, you know, that you're here now and this is your home. So I like that dichotomy, if that makes sense. That's not waving a flag or being anything crazy about that. I just love that he loves being American as well as Cuban.
1: It's cool when you get to learn about what makes up the whole pie, right? The little pieces of each person and what makes them tick what makes them go you know why are they the way that they are that's a lot of what we do here and trying to figure that out and i think you saw his eyes light up a couple of different times when we talked about the game when we talked about his team and 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 not just going to omaha he he happily made sure i understood they're going to win at Omaha. They're going to win the college world series. So I loved that he corrected that. But also when you asked him about his favorite Cuban food and and his grandma who makes the best Cuban food and and I thought that that was really cool to see that part of him because he did say and he made it clear I'm American and I'm really proud of that and and I think that that's important. He knows about his dad, he knows how good his dad was, and and people have great stories about dad. and And now, I think it's completely Yo-Yo's time to take those next steps and and be the next Morales to have success at the big league level.
0: Coming up on our next podcast, and I know we're chasing this quickly. Tommy Troy of Stanford could be an All American, could be a first round draft pick. Enrique Bradfield could be an All American and could be the number one pick overall at Vanderbilt. Two really high academic institutions. Um, but to just killer baseball programs, Coach Esker, Coach Corbin. And so excited to, to you know hang with us. That's going to be the next drop. It's happening fast. We've built a lot of it already. Um, and, and just you know come here all the time to listen to these podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe so you find the new ones. Comment you know like do do anything you want. Um, but also come find the rest of our content. You know go go to Perfect Game TV. Go to your smart device. Download Perfect Game TV. We're pushing ourselves uh, to drop brand new content. All the seasons are starting. High school baseball, college baseball, uh, college softball, amateur softball. We're in on all that so find us uh, live with this podcast a lot because we're really proud of it and uh, we know if you if you're listening you love this area of the sport another an amazing group of of athletes that that danny gathered d wax well done by you from my from my portable studios in uh, in reno nevada at this point with my awesome awesome curtains in the background the 70s are alive and well so uh, we're glad you found this podcast if you're seeing any of this at the end this may be the best I've ever looked, especially the backdrop. And, uh, you know, just take that to heart as you go throughout your week. Because if you can look as good as I, then you will be successful.
1: Do you want to give something away so that people subscribe? If they subscribe, maybe you'll give something away. What do you think?
0: How does that work? How do I know? <laughs> like how do, how do I even know if they subscribe? If you subscribe, the 37th subscriber gets this Brewer's jersey. The 37th <laughs> subscriber gets this Brewer's it? jersey. You'll sign it. I don't know how we know who the 37th is. No, I won't <laughs> sign it. I don't want to devalue it. That's all. Just, Just stop now. Stop recording and listen to something else. There are far better podcasts out there. Go listen to them now.
1: Bye. <laughs>